As Christians, we are called to be strong. As Christians, we have the Word of God. But to those that are non-believers, they would say this is just another fictitious book. You read, I saw the hands of the grandparents. We have all read nursery rhymes and, and books to our kids that were totally fictitious. fictitious. But there are those that would say the same thing about the Word of God. They would say, how naive you are. Why would you believe something that's well over 2,000 years old? I thought you were smarter than that. There's no truth at all in that. There's some coincidence, but not truth in the Word of God. And yet, the Christians are strong today. They are strong in their faith. But there are times that we are all shaken. There are times in which we have those doubts ourselves. Like, where are you, God? I've been experiencing this for two or three months, let's say. I've been in this battle, and I do not feel your presence with me. And so that doubt comes into our head. And even more so, when there's someone that is telling you that you're wasting your time, put your faith in in the government. Put your faith in the, in the doctors. Put your faith in the nurses. But don't put your faith here in this book. There have been many, many people that have researched this very topic. I happen at this time to have two books that are both written by people that set out to prove that there was no Jesus Christ. Two of them. And it's quite interesting the approach they have taken. But the bottom line is they eventually acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. Hours, days, months trying to prove this. I've told you about one of them that's an attorney. This other one was uh, that I've just now uh, seen his writings. He was an editor for the Chicago Times. He was one that did uh, editorials. He did research. He was one of those that if there was a shooting, he'd be called in, and he was the one that would gather the facts. So when his wife turned into Christianity, it created a lot of fiction. It also created a lot of friction. <laughs> it can do both, fiction and friction. A lot of friction because she... She felt very strongly about Jesus Christ. She, she had been to church with a friend. She had that feeling that comes only from God. You know that feeling. It's not something you're going to pick up somewhere else like you'd pick up a virus like the flu. There is something so special when we know Jesus Christ. And she came to believe. And she would talk to her husband and he would get irate. And so he started this research. His objective was to prove that his wife was wrong. That is what he wanted to do. And she had no idea that he was doing this research, flying to uh, California, going to Wisconsin, all these places to see these individuals that had great credentials. 
such as doctors and chemistry. These individuals, uh, archaeologists, other individuals that had the credentials that he could respect. And every place he went, each and every one acknowledged the fact that Jesus Christ is real. Every one of them. And yet, there were so many that began by doubting, just as this man had. C.S. Lewis made a statement in his uh, earlier years. He was also a doubter. But he says, if Jesus is not real, we have lost nothing. But if Jesus is real, we have everything in the world to gain. Jesus Christ is real. You know it and I know it. The Word of God, we accept. But the doubters are saying it's fiction. I'm going to share some words with you. But to an atheist or an agnostic, they just say, Their words. They were made up. They were put in a binder. If all of the the findings of Jesus Christ, you know, like those that were scripted back in the first century, second century, all of those original writings about Jesus, not just the Gospels, But the Old Testament, the New Testament, if you were to stack them one on top of the other, it would be about one mile in height. One mile. And yet, if it was someone like Einstein, it might be only four feet high, his writings. And yet people are so quick to believe those about Einstein, and yet with with the Word of God, then they are very uh, skeptical still. But there are documents after documents, and those that are archaeologists, they make a lot, they, they pay a lot of attention to the repetitiveness of the writings. They see in these writings a common theme. For example, and we've, we've hit on this before also. We know that the women went to the tomb first and found it was empty. And yet each of the Gospels tell the stories a little bit differently. Guys like Scott, and once upon a time I was a claims adjuster, and I would go and talk to different people in an accident, and very seldom were they the exact story. Matter of fact, if they were the exact story, then you'd start worrying because no two people see the same. As close as you two are, y'all would look at something and you'd see it a little bit differently, but what you'd come out with, somebody ran a red light. You know, the bottom line. The bottom line in all of these writings that would stack one on top of another a mile high, there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth. There was a man that was crucified. What the skeptics start out to do is to 
disprove the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection than the sightings of Jesus. Because if they can do away with those items, then they've destroyed the whole, whole story about Jesus Christ, the whole faith. So they would start out, and both of these authors, that's where they started in proving there was no resurrection. Maybe there wasn't even a crucifixion. Maybe he wasn't even laid in the tomb because he wasn't dead. Maybe he didn't see anybody and vice versa, they didn't see him afterwards. So they go to these areas of very important, and yet the writings are there. People, people gave their life to stand by the writings. There's guys like Saul, who was converted to Christianity, became Paul, and before he would change his testimony, he was, he was killed as well. There's nothing in writing that says exactly how, how he died, but the thoughts are that he was beheaded by the Romans. None of the disciples changed their story. And all they had to do, and we've discussed this before, all they had to do is say, we made that up. We got together in the upper room, and this is a story we made up. There's no truth to it. We never saw him. And their life would have been spared. But it was the fact that they never changed. Not one of them. Not one person denied Jesus Christ, not even to save their own life. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. But through Jesus Christ. We as Christians, we believe that wholeheartedly. But you can see where the skeptics would say, this is just more fiction. But once we know Jesus Christ personally, then we know this is true. That no matter what experiences we do have, and again, I'm looking at some people that have been through some tough times in this room. We know that when we come through, through these situations, that there is a God. There is a Jesus Christ. And yes, He is real. We know it in our heart. We know it. You've sat by your loved ones and you've had that feeling. You have been in the bed, the hospital bed, and you have known Jesus Christ is with you. It's always touched me when a nurse starts speaking of her faith while I'm the patient. Y'all have, the nurses have such a difficult job, such an emotional job. Uh, you know, it's just a very difficult position and God bless you for having the courage. You need that courage. But when I'm laying there as a patient and then one of the ladies opens up to me about her faith and how it sees her through, it touches my heart. She may not be able to go to church every Sunday. We would like to see our sanctuary filled with people. But there are a whole 
lot of Christians, strong believers, for one reason or another, are not in the house of the Lord today. This lady, because of her job, probably unable to go to church that often. But she shared from her heart her faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't based on scientific evidence. It's based on the Word of God. It's based, it is based on her heart that she knows there is a God that is with her as she goes through her daily ministering. She knows there is. In the book of Isaiah, and the reason I go there, one of the books that I am reading now, it goes back and it shows the Old Testament writings and how they are confirmed in the New Testament with the predictions. This is going to happen. This, And he goes verse by verse by verse. And, you know, we, none of us have enough time to go through that today. But understand that the predictions of the prophets took place. And they predicted a Messiah. They, they predicted that there would be a virgin birth or crucifixion. All of these things were predicted hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years. It didn't have to be made up. The prophets were, were telling the people. Of course, when it happened 700 years later, then the people that knew the prophet didn't see the fruition of it. We may not see the second coming of Jesus Christ, but I promise you there's going to be a second coming. How do I know? Because I believe His Word. It's going to happen. I don't know when. In Isaiah, the 54th chapter, the 10th verse. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Though the mountains shaken, the hills removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. It shall not be shaken. There was a lady that, um, well, Billy, I mean, um, I'm sorry. Uh, There was a lady that called me one day, and I've shared this story with you. And I'd never met her. I had done a funeral for a friend of hers. And she was not a believer. Brooke Oliver had lost her mother when she was a young lady. And she said, how can God, there be a God when when He takes my mother away? Her mother always wanted her to know Jesus Christ. Her mother was a strong Christian. And it was really tearing Brooke apart Because Brooke couldn't go there because of the anger. Her mother had been taken away from her at such an early age. And when Brooke came to me, she was in her 20s, late 20s, I guess. She had visited a number of times with my good friend uh, Bud Kidwell. And then after Bud left, 
Then she called me. She said she would be in church after our conversation. And I asked her to give me a hug when she came through so I'd know who she was. She did. And on Easter morning, which was a few weeks later, she was baptized. But she started out with so much anger, so much resentment, that she could not believe there was a Jesus Christ. She could not believe a God of love would put her through that. But as she sought Jesus Christ, she found Him. You know the scripture that says, if you seek me, you will find me. And she was seeking it. And she came to know Jesus Christ to this day. She and Billy are involved. She is a strong spokesperson for Jesus Christ. But she was one of those that started with the anger, the the disbelief. And today, Jesus Christ lives in her heart. And those of you that know Brooke, know that love. John, the first chapter, the 12th verse says, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decisions of, of a husband or wife, but born of God. Those of us that have made that decision know that feeling, know that He does live. We're not going to see Him walk through this door. We're not going to see Him sitting in a pew, and yet I see Him in your hearts. He's here. We as Christians need to put on the armor of God and be prepared when someone challenges us about Jesus Christ. There are those today that are being literally executed because they believe in Jesus Christ. And I ask you, and I ask me, would I have that kind of courage if someone walked in this back door and said all the Christians on this side and the rest of you over here and we're going to kill all the Christians, would we all be over there? Would we have that kind of courage? Would we? When He lives in our heart and we're willing to stand up for Him and with Him under all circumstances, not only are our lives changed, but so are the lives of those around us. Because your witness is the way that you visit with other people when you don't think anybody is listening from church. Maybe it's at a ball game. Maybe it's at a restaurant. Does your life reflect the love of Jesus Christ? Do you love Him enough to, to work on having that armor of God and to be a good witness for Him? Do you love Him that much? Maybe it means changes. It changes in my life. So are we going to face the challenges that we will be confronted with by standing strong in the faith and the knowledge of the Word of Christ. He has called us. He has called each and every one of us. But again, there are those that don't believe a word in there. They don't believe a single word. How will you handle that challenge? How strong can you be? 
when it happens with you. Tommy Hodges says that he was in a restaurant one time visiting with another truck driver, and they were talking about Jesus Christ. And somebody overheard their conversation, and he came over and chastised them and was very much belittling them because of their faith. And Tommy says, sit down. I've been hoping I could have a chance to visit with a guy like you. Well, that guy didn't want to visit with Tommy. He did not want to have that discussion with Tommy Hodges, and he walked out. How about you? How about me? Are we that strong? And saying, yes, there is a Savior. There is Jesus Christ. He lives. Not just over 2,000 years ago when He was on this earth. Not just 2,000 years ago when they, they hung Him on the cross, pierced His side, put Him in a tomb. Not just then. The Word tells us that they saw the disciples many times. And also that He preached to 500 people at one time. 500. Not any of them were willing to change their story to save their life. Matter of fact, they kept preaching and the Word of God spread. And it spread and it spread. That's a commitment you and I need. That's a commitment that we need each and every day when we go into a world that has its doubts.